We are in week two of two Sundays on wrapping up 2 Corinthians. Kind of the premise of the book, what we talked about many months ago, is that Satan is after the local church. So we talked about this last week, several different places that Paul talks about the work of Satan operating to try to ensnare and get the local church. But the greater truth that Paul wants to communicate to the Corinthian church and to us as well through this letter is that God is with the local church. Satan is after the church, but God is with his church. You're in 2 Corinthians 12. Look across the page with me to 2 Corinthians 13. This is where we were last week, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Kind of the, the negative application of this kind of generally negative in tone letter. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith and test yourselves. But notice what he says next. Or don't you realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you. Right? This is the thing. This is the main thing that Paul wants them to discover, to rediscover. This is the thing that Paul wants them to remember, that Jesus Christ is in you. The, the whole point of examining and testing is to discover, to, to rekindle this awareness that Jesus Christ is in you. And whatever failings you find along the way, right, whatever problems that you discover as you test yourself and, and examine yourself, the antidote to them, the solution is, remember, Christ is in you. Right, so Satan has designs on us. Why does Satan have, have designs on your life? Why does he have designs upon this church? Because Jesus Christ is here. That's why Satan has designs here. And Satan is a, he's a powerful, smart, devious being. And we are no match for him on our own. But he is defeated very simply, isn't he? Remember Christ. For the last 500 years, the Protestant church has been singing the great hymn penned by Martin Luther. At the end of one of the verses, he says, The prince of darkness grim, but we don't tremble because of him, because we know that one little word shall fell him. One little word. What's that word? Jesus. Like all the darkness in a room is banished. How? One little switch. And that's what Jesus is. That's why Paul says, just wherever, whatever's been going on, listen, remember, Christ is in you. You have Jesus Christ with you. So examine yourself. But then the point is, remember Christ. Remember Jesus. That's the point. Paul said this back in uh, chapter 7, verse 10. He talks about, uh, I'm glad that you were grieved. Not that, not that I wanted you to, be, to grieve, but you were grieved with a godly grief, which led you to repentance, which led you to salvation. Examine yourself, test yourself, but then make sure you're coming back to Jesus Christ. So God is with the local church. Now, I've been saying that kind of half of the big application of 2 Corinthians, the negative half, is this examine yourself. We're going to talk about the positive half, the, the, the constructive, forward-looking thing that Paul wants the Corinthian church to, to get today. But underneath these things, the, the, the idea 
behind them, the big idea of 2 Corinthians, is that Jesus is trustworthy. And this is in the blanks for the those of you taking notes with the sermon. I would add, uh, I didn't have this in time, but Jesus is more trustworthy. That's really the, the big idea of 2 Corinthians, that Jesus is more trustworthy. Jesus is more trustworthy. His gospel will work. His grace will heal. His spirit will transform. What he sets about to do will happen. He will keep his promises. He will build his church. You can trust in him. You can rest in him. You can rely on him because Jesus is more trustworthy. And so, the positive application of 2 Corinthians, the thing that he wants the Corinthian church now, after they catch their breath as the last page closes, what do we do now? He wants them to, because of who Jesus is, brag right. Brag right. Now, I've talked before about how in the Corinthian letters, the, the word group around boasting and bragging appears more often than anywhere else in Scripture. More of them and at a higher density. Because boasting and bragging is a big deal for the Corinthian culture. Everybody wants to be perceived as greater than they are. They want to appear more socially with it, connected to better groups, so that they can have more opportunities. The the Corinthian church is right in between this struggle. Paul and and his gospel cohort over here, and then the the quote-unquote super apostles, the false apostles over here. They're between the the Christian way of life and the Corinthian culture. And they're being pulled by these things. And they're surrounded by these boasts and brags. Which one is better? Which one is better? Lots of big claims surrounding them. Lots of boasts and bragging. Now, what is bragging? It's just, this is probably fairly obvious to you. You could have come up with this definition. It's saying things so that people think more highly of us. That's a brag. Saying things so that people think more highly of us. I've been enjoying the NBA playoffs this year. You guys, probably you're all into the NBA playoffs just as much as me right now. Last night, you know what happened? The Milwaukee Bucks beat the Brooklyn Nets in Game 7. Oh, I couldn't believe it. It was wonderful. Well, I'm telling you this because sometimes uh, when they're coming in and out, you know, commercial breaks, they, they play different songs. And there's a song that they play by a guy named DJ Khaled. And the chorus is, uh, I did it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> I did it, I did it, I did it. That's bragging. <laughs> that is bragging. I did it, I did it, I did it. Think more highly of me now. I want to tell you some things so that you think more highly of me. Now, you can, clearly, some people in Corinth are bragging wrong. You can brag wrong. You can brag and you boast of yourself. The first attribute of bragging wrong is you're comparing yourself with others. In chapter 5, verse 12, Paul says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but we're giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So the the super apostles are saying, look at us. We are clearly better than Paul. 
We are, com- look at us, we have commendations, we have these letters of reference, and Paul doesn't have anything. So the, the, the whole foundation of their ministry, quote-unquote, is comparing themselves with other people. He brings this up again in chapter 10, verse 12, where Paul says, uh, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they're without understanding. So the whole, the whole, the, the whole toehold that they're getting in Corinth is based on comparing themselves with, with others, with Paul in particular. So bragging wrong involves comparing yourself with others. It also involves noting how able you are. Look at, look at my ability. Chapter 10, verse 10. They say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. This is to be, of course, compared with them. We have the ability not just to write good letters, but to talk good, talk good talks and, and do good things here with you. And then in chapter 11, verse 12, what I am doing I will continue to do, Paul says, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. They're saying, right, fundamental to the, the false apostles' status is they're saying, we have the same ability that Paul has. We have the same terms. We work on the same terms as Paul. We have the same ability. And the last thing in bragging wrong is to note how effective you are. In chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says, we, we will not boast beyond limits, but we will only boast with regard to the area of influence God has assigned to us. They're, they're saying we in our ministry has reached more countries, more counties, more principalities than any other apostleship. They're saying we're more effective then Paul, chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Listen to this, Paul says, I have been a fool, you forced me to this. I ought to have been commended by you, for I was not at all inferior to these super apostles, even though I'm nothing. Which, of course, is their claim. Paul is inferior to us. He is nothing compared to us. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. So you can hear in this the claim of the super apostles, we're superior to Paul. We've come with the signs of apostles. We're more effective in what we do. We have greater ability. We are more effective. But Paul says, this is foolish. In fact, in six different places throughout this section, he says, this is foolish. I feel like a fool. I'm acting like a fool. Because you know this. Uh, when somebody's bragging, when they're boasting and bragging, what is that a sign of? Insecurities. Right? They feel foolish. They're trying to hide things that they're insecure about themselves for. And Paul's calling that out. He's saying, this is really dumb. This is not what well people do. So Paul says, this is really foolish. So as he goes through, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, as he goes through this section and he boasts, his boasts are mocking them. Oh, look at me. He's, he's posturing in order to mock them. He said, this is really foolish. But he's also teaching us something. He's also teaching us the right way to boast. So chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 is what we read this morning. And here Paul says, therefore... Many people think this is kind of the, 
the climactic summary verse of the whole book. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly. I will boast gladly. Paul wants us to join him in this, to boast gladly, to brag right. Which is a funny kind of idea, right? Is it, isn't bragging just wrong? Like, is next week's sermon going to be cheating right? <laughs> Lying right? Or we're just throwing right on things that are not right, right? Is there a right way to brag? Isn't bragging wrong? And, and of course the answer is no. Bragging is not wrong, and here's why. In a culture of constant comparison, the significance and relevance of Jesus can slowly, quietly begin to dim. In a culture of constant comparison, the significance of Jesus and his relevance for our lives can begin to quietly become a lesser good and then a not quite good and then a not really good. Here's what happens. Going to church, being a Christian... It should be the defining feature of our lives, right? Jesus, his significance is far above all others. His relevance permeates everything. But in this culture of constant comparison, Christ and the Christian life and the church becomes one of the things that's true about us. I like basketball. I'm a dad. I'm a Christian. It becomes a lesser, slightly lesser good. And then it becomes a not quite good. You go to church, you, you, yeah, I go to church. I, I mean, yeah. It's, it's not one of the things that I love the most. It's not one of my favorite things about my week, but I do go. I go, I mean, it's, right? It, yeah, it's good. So it's, it's, not, it's not quite good. And then it becomes, it's not actually really good. So I could go to church today, but I got a lot to do. Which of those is, is better? Me doing some things or going to church? Like church isn't even, it isn't even good. It doesn't even factor in now. So in a culture of constant comparison, it just tends to kind of shake down. So Paul says we need to boast in the Lord. But the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We need to boast in the Lord. We need to rediscover who Jesus is. So let's talk about bragging right. Bragging right is kind of counterpoint to all of the things that, are bragging, that bragging wrong is defined by. Bragging right is talking about how God's grace is sufficient. See that his grace is sufficient. Is, he's able to bring comfort and strength to us in our sufferings. That the God of all comfort will comfort us in our afflictions. And we have these great treasures of God's glory in Christ in our jars of clay. And we have his great power displayed in our weakness. That God is able, by his grace, to be sufficient for us in these things. God is able. He is able. He alone, he alone is able to do for us what we really need. That's part of our boast. The second part is to see that his power works. We boast about his power. His power works in our weaknesses. Jesus said to me, Paul says, my grace is sufficient for you. I am able to give you what you need. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power 
will work for you. Now, Jesus, we have to be, admit, he works in ways that we don't always fully understand. Maybe we don't even a little bit understand them sometimes. But the claim of Scripture, and we have seen this in our lives, and this is our hope moving forward, is that Jesus works. He does work. How did you end up here? Apart from the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus works. He is effective. He is able and he is effective. So not only can he do these things, but he is the only one who will do what he has promised. And what he has promised is what we truly need. So we make these boasts and we compare things. Now we don't compare ourselves with things. We compare all things to Christ. We compare all things to Christ. Right? If you're going to describe Jesus accurately, you are bragging. If you are going to, that's your leader, that's the one you're following, that's your God, let me tell you about my God. He's so much more. If you're going to talk about Jesus in any way approaching accuracy, you will be bragging. If you're going to talk about the gospel that you believe, Compared to any other way of life or any other kind of hope, any other source of salvation, you're going to be bragging. Right? We make comparative claims. We say, this way is better, that way is worse. Our God is greater, your God is no God. That is dumb. This is right and wise. That is, our God is glorious. His way is glorious, our hope is glorious, and yours is nothing. Yours is worse than nothing. It is a... Anyways. We make comparative claims. We brag. We should brag. We're supposed to brag. We're supposed to brag right. Now, the Corinthian church was getting beaten down in the Corinthian culture, and they were vulnerable to these super apostles because they weren't bragging right. And when you're not... When, when you're not comparing Christ and his way to what's out there, when you're not seeing this and, 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 and doing these boasts for your own sake even, it can leave you thinking that you are, that, you, that there are things that you don't have that you should have. That you're missing out on stuff. That you're being even mistreated. Yeah, my God's fine. My, my, my Savior, I mean, it was, he was so nice. He was really nice. He was nice. But, but I don't know if he's up to these new problems. I don't know if he's up to the new situation that the world finds itself in or the, the, the thing that has just entered my life. I don't know if he's up for that. This is something we've been struggling with for a long, long time. God's people. Did God really say you're not supposed to eat of any of the trees in the garden? God, ugh. Right? What should Adam and Eve said? Wait a second. Do you know? Listen to my boast about our God. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by God? My way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. And two verses prior, the, the antidote to this, Isaiah writes, is from the Lord. To whom will you compare me then? Says the Lord, the Holy One. 
The only way that they can make these kind of claims like, oh, we're being mistreated and, and, and God doesn't see us and, and this isn't right, the only way they can make these sorts of claims is because they've forgotten that God is incomparable. They've stopped comparing them. They've stopped bragging right. If we don't brag right also, not only is it bad for us, but it, it hides the light. It hides the treasure that we have from those who need it. So the, the big positive application of 2 Corinthians is to brag. Brag about the Lord. Tell stories, put on display things about God and things about what He has done that are both true and also are meaningful for you. That's a boast and a brag. It's true, it's got to be true, but it's also got to be meaningful for you. It's got to something you excite, you're excited about, right? There's got to be a sense of in it. That's a brag. How has His grace been what you needed? You got a story about that? How has His power worked in your life in or through or around weakness? You got a story about that? That you can share? That you can tell? That you maybe need to tell yourself sometimes? And that also that we and others need to hear? We need to tell those stories. To tell the stories about God and what He has done. If we're going to tell those stories though, here's three things that need to happen. We need to pay attention. Pay attention to what God has done and what God is doing. Where have you been suffering? What is God doing there? Where have you been weak? How has God helped? To have stories, we have to pay attention to our lives. We should also uh, try to get more stories. Right, there are certain kind of things that God loves to show up and bless. At the very beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, the God of all comforts, he comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort others in their affliction with the comfort that we receive from God. So that tells us a bunch of things that God loves. He loves authentic faith. He loves to bless afflictions. He loves when we spread grace. He loves to, to increase gratitude for himself in Christ. He loves to do these things, so we should, we should invest ourselves in them. You want more stories of what God is doing in your affliction? Cry to Him. From your affliction, give to those around you who are in afflictions as well. Peter says, I think it's Peter, he says, uh, all who desire to live godly in the present world will what? Face persecution, right? Here's the other thing. All who desire to try to live godly in the present world will get a lot of good stories. You get a lot of bragging points as well. So pay attention. Get more stories. Tell those stories. Don't tell stories like this, because this, this is rude. This is worldly bragging. This is not Christian bragging. Don't say, oh, I don't worry. I'm a Christian. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a Christian. I don't struggle with sin. Oh, no, no. I'm a Christian. My, my marriage is fine. No. Right? We, that's, not, that's not true. That's just worldly blag, bragging with Christian words in certain spots. Here's what's true. I struggle with worry a ton. But knowing Jesus has helped me. I struggle with, with this sin a lot. 
but Jesus is helping me. My marriage is really having a hard time right now, but Jesus is keeping us together and moving us forward. That's true. Right? It's not about me. Our brag is boasting the Lord. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. When we tell stories, we need to make sure who's the hero of our stories. Jesus is the hero of our stories. People shouldn't walk away from us talking about our faith and say, wow, oh, the, have the faith of that person. That person is such ex- heroic and extraordinary faith. They should walk away saying, you know, maybe I should get to know Jesus a little bit better. Maybe I should take a second look at the God of the Jewish and Christian scriptures again. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. He is making his appeal through us. So that's what we want to do. And one last thing here about boasting and bragging. We should aim to live in such a way that those boasts make sense. To live in such a way that our boasts make sense. As I said at the beginning, you know, much of the Corinthian culture was social posturing and social maneuvering. They wanted to uh, climb the social ladder. They wanted to be at the right places. They wanted to look right. They wanted to have the right things so that the right crowd would accept them. Right? They, they, there's certain things you do, certain things you don't do. Certain things you wear, certain things you don't wear. Certain people you talk to, certain people you don't talk to. So that you can have certain opportunities in the future. And so, how they look, and how they dress, and how they act, all of these things are ways of communicating. They're saying something about themselves with their appearances, their brands, their, their sense of class, and what they say and don't say. And they're trying to let everybody know, I'm right. I'm the sort of person you should value and listen to and appreciate. Look at what Paul says here. I think this is interesting. In chapter 12, verse 6, Paul says, If I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So that no one may think more of me than they see in me or hears from me. So Paul wants his way of life, his character, and his speech to all be of a piece. So we should avoid sending signals that communicate, I did it, I did it, I did it. I'm great. Right? And, and in that song, when you look at it, uh, how DJ Khaled communicates, I did it, I did it, he talks about the diamond earrings that he's wearing and the Tesla that he owns. And he talks about Prada. He talks about his plane. He talks about right, these things that signal, I'm a person of significance and you should open your life to me. We, on the other hand, should seek to mute the me factor. We don't want people to look at us and think more of us than they see in us or hear from us. We want them to look at us and see the character of Christ reflecting in our lives. And then we want to have the space where we can talk about Jesus and praise Him 
And, and it's not out of step with everything else that we're doing in our life. We want our way of life, our character, and our boasts in Christ to all be of a piece. As we close, I want to go back to a psalm. One of my favorite psalms. One of my favorite verses in, in one of the psalms here. Psalm 48, verses 12 to 14. What the psalmist tells us at the end of the psalm, he says, Walk around Zion. Go around, number the towers, consider well the ramparts, go through the citadels, so that you may tell the next generation that this is our God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. So walking around Zion is, is a symbol, it's an image, a metaphor for getting to know God and his greatness and goodness and glory. Go around, number these things, study them, examine them inside and out. And go all around it and discover how great God is. So from the beginning of the Bible to the very end, the question has been, what is our God like compared to the other gods? What is our way like compared to the other ways? What is our Savior like compared to other saviors? And Paul wants us to hear, the whole Bible wants us to hear, that our God is better. And our Jesus is more trustworthy. More trustworthy. Jesus turns on all the lights. And so, let's not be afraid to get to know Him better. And let's not be afraid to let people know how much better He is. Let's be a boastful people. A people who are boasting in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We love to think about how great you are compared to all other gods, how great Jesus is compared to all other saviors, how great your word is and your way is compared with all other advice and lifestyles. And we love to think about these things because it is easy to forget about them. It is easy in a culture like ours, one of constant comparison and, and fear of missing out, and, and you only live once, so we've got to have the best of everything, to be constantly making assessments and to discover that through misuse and neglect, you are sliding down. And you become less significant and less relevant to our lives, slowly but surely. But we want to praise you. We want to remember today that you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of the praise of all of our being and every breath that we have. With all our strength, all our soul, all our might, all our mind, all our heart, all our spirit, our whole lives, you are easily worthy of We can present ourselves to you as living sacrifices and that is a reasonable service of worship because you are so great. And as we look at the world and as we hear these other claims and these other boasts and brags, Lord, give us the same spirit that Paul has. We, We will boast and we will boast gladly because Jesus is more and He is more trustworthy. And we are His 
So Lord Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we entrust this time to you and this word. We ask, Lord, that you would now return to your people as we go. And that the word of the Lord would dwell in us richly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.